0: Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
1: That's a great story. I have a good Toad's Play story, too. I played it with Rich Price. and I oh, did? Uh, okay. Opened for Ziggy Marley. And uh, oh, wow. Ziggy Marley's enormous bodyguard came up to, to Rich and said, there only three rules tonight. And then you'll have a great set. Rule number one, don't talk to Ziggy. <laughs> rule number two, don't talk to Ziggy. Can you guess rule number three? <laughs> Rich is like, I got it. So. It was a real <laughs> friendly vibe. We had a good old, we had a good old time.
2: Fifty years of music with fifty-year-old white guys. Fellas, how are you on this fine Wednesday evening? Woo! Woo! Uh, Knoxville, Tennessee. Ben, you're cranking along. Ready to do it. Yep. Excellent. Jeff Simons in Berkeley. Are you excited for 1993?
1: I am excited for 1993. I was not excited by my experience today in 2020. So I am (laughs) I am looking to this to bring some joy (laughs) to the world. Let's go
2: back in time. Uh, First things first, uh, we're on the uh, Music City Drive-In Podcast Network. Uh, That's the website where you can get all sorts of great articles and podcasts on so many different things. We are 50 years of music with 50-year-old white guys, and we make mistakes. So we have to start off with a correction from the 1992 podcast. Uh, Jeff Simons, last week you were asked, which do you think had a, a bigger effect on George Bush's loss? Did you think it was Ross Perot, or did you think it was the Black Hawk Down incident in Somalia, the Battle of Mogadishu. You said Ross Perot.
1: And I apparently was very wrong. You, sir,
2: were correct because Black oh. Hawk Down occurs this year in 1993.
1: What, well, how about so,
2: that? No wonder uh, that didn't occur to you. Mark Bruffle is our um, he's our diplomatic correspondent on the podcast. Uh, my good friend Bruffle pointed out that mistake. Our bad.
1: Well, you guys are so fast and loose with the years with your picks that we just get generally
0: confused. That's probably what happened. And also, Tim, it's not our bad, man. Let's just clarify. <laughs> it's not our bad. There's what? plenty of things that are, in fact, my bad or our bad. That's not it, on the list. Was this mine? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Was this yours? <laughs> you're the history man. No, but I also like you're like, our bad, things happen. Yeah. Mistakes are made. <laughs>
2: and, and really if you're tuning into us and depending on us for our our facts i i have bad news i have bad news well,
1: they're, they're tuning in for your facts they're tuning in for ben's charm and and i'm not sure why i'm here i i'm here for the complimentary sodas
2: i think they're tur- they're tuning in to hear three guys get through the pandemic i think that's basically uh the big draw speaking of which we got pushed out on Tuesday by a very popular blog. Uh, uh, they, the blog mentioned us, Said this blog uh, said this podcast is a lot of fun. Just to give you a sense of what we're normally dealing with here on the pod, we get about 60 downloads or listens when we push out a new podcast on Wednesday morning. From there, gentlemen, you guys don't know the numbers of what I'm dealing with here at headquarters, but pretty much it's 20. 20- 22, etc., so that each podcast is getting us to around 120 listens. Great numbers, right? Our goal, as you may recall, was 1,000, which we've reached. So this is how last week went. Wednesday, 69 listens. Thursday, 35, then 22, then 21. Sunday, we're down to 20. Monday, 23. Tuesday, I check at 1 o'clock. And we're at five hundred and forty. <laughs> at at one thirty, it's six eighty. At, at at two o'clock, we're at nine hundred thirty seven. And oh I, I'm like, what is going on? And I email Simplecast, and I said, and guys at Simplecast have been awesome. And I said, you've got some sort of weird aberration. And they email back and said, uh, yeah, our engineers have looked at it. This is a, a legit spike. You, you've got a nice spike going. I'm like. No. I'm over a 1,000. You don't understand. This isn't a spike. This is a a, a problem. Uh, we had 1,727 downloads on Tuesday.
0: Wow. Dude, they have a word for this. Uh, What's it? The name of the blog is Instapundit, and they call uh-huh. it an Instalanche because if you get linked on it, you just get buried in interest. So we're very, very fortunate to be the recipients. And
2: so today – we're up to four hundred and sixty-two. I don't Unbelievable. know. Unbelievable! I don't know what's happening. Really nice guys over there, Instapundit, to celebrate us. The comments, however, we're I'll not. Never
0: read the comments. Were not.
1: That's of iron rule of internet life. Is dope. it really? Is kind of true. I just like you can't. You can't even read the comments on like. <laughs> <laughs> a, a like a band's board written by people who love the band because they oh also no, that's hate, even
0: worse. The, the more the band, passionate they, people are, the worse yeah, to they on. hate
1: the band that they love so much, you know. Well, like, well, to give you
2: a, a sense of insta pundits' audience, there are um, I think they are skewing older than 50 year old white guys, they're very upset that we started in 69. So
1: maybe we'll, oh, what, not, that no, awesome. well, maybe we'll have to go back. And that 49, that's awesome. Maybe we'll have to go back and do some earlier years. The Andrew sister is totally getting the shaft here on the, the pod. That's right.
2: The one that really sticks out to me, and if, if, if you'd like to go on iTunes and put down positive reviews, please do, because it was this gentleman who said, these guys are not funny, not interesting, and not informative. They are just scratchy, whiny wannabes with a horrible music selection.
0: So what can you say? You know, I sometimes mean, they just get you.
1: Yeah, I was going to say when does it get inaccurate? <laughs> 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 the wannabe
2: thing. Yeah, like I, I do want to am I a wannabe?
1: Yeah.
0: No,
2: you wanna... actually
0: are. You're awesome. You're a
1: B. You're an actual B. I want to I want to be
2: 15 pounds lighter about that's about it all you right wish you, you wish you were a baller you wish you were a little bit taller uh too short excellent so uh it is 1993 and with this uh boost in our listens it's really jeff simons kind of a whole new world for
1: us yeah i'm a little nervous now i don't know what to do oh that was a cue <laughs> oh, oh you were so clever oh yeah here
0: it's the grammy winner a whole new world by Pebo Bryson and Regina Bell. I've got a really bad feeling about this. I can show you the world. Shining, shimmering, splendid. Tell me, princess one did you last let one your moment, heart, heart decide. <laughs> I can Wonder, 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 i really like this movie i don't like this song but i did like the and under, on a ride, a well,
2: it is a uh, pebo bryson that's, you you may remember him Peebo. back in the uh, luther vandross episode uh when we <laughs> celebrated the new soul oh tim you must 80s. be really happy then oh,
0: I just, I just went stroking you're liking
1: this it's good it's tim's tim's nice it's nice to see soul music back in the charts <laughs> neo soul right isn't that what you uh, called it yeah. <laughs> who, who did
2: he sing with Peebo bryson and who was it else
1: regina bell singing regina the bell. the part of of whatever her name is princess jasmine jasmine
0: yeah yeah All right, You know, that movie's not
1: aged well, my friend. I don't know if you remember, but she's 16 for no good reason. And Uh uh, also, I've actually used a piece of that in a cultural appropriations class Uh really effectively. So Uh (laughs) I don't know if you've seen it recently, but it's not one of those ones that they're going to hang their hat on 20 years from now. They made all sorts of changes for the live action
2: uh, version that came out last year with Will Smith as the genie. Uh, and the
1: Plain family enjoyed that up and down. Oh, you actually saw it?
2: Oh, yeah. The I theater. just
1: enjoyed Twitter's just ruthless takedown of Will Smith as the genie. and never watched one second of it. I, he, but,
2: uh, he was great. He was awesome. All right, let's
0: move on. No more arguments. Wait, is that the Grammy winner or the number one hit? That or was both. the Grammy winner. Oh, I should have known that was the Grammy winner. Good Lord. It, it has that syrupy keyboard. You can't win a Grammy unless it starts. Oh. That's it's amazing. Really, this is a number of years That's in That's the same row. song as Wind Beneath My Wings again. It's it three is. out of four years. That's just wind beneath a uh, carpet. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. What was happening in 1993? It is um, Bill Clinton's first year as president. We've got a little situation that happens in Waco, Texas. Oh, if you yeah. um, if you want to go a, a deep dive down into cult land and learn about the Branch Davidians, you can find out all about what happened
1: when... Do you know how many people died at the Branch Davidian co- compound? It's a lot. It's like 587 or something like that. Right? 76. But oh, I it, thought was it was a like lot. People. It's still really? a lot. Really? It's only 75 people? I thought it was like Whole families. I thought it was like Jonestown level. It was only 76. No, I mean, that's a lot of people wow. in one compound. I'm not disagreeing. Okay. It's a lot of okay. people. I just thought it was a an astonishing a number of people. Ben, would you
2: like to, <laughs> to enter in on what number
0: constitutes a lot of Like That's just nothing right there. I, I eat that much for breakfast.
1: I'm sorry, All but right. COVID, COVID has recalibrated whatever <laughs> number is.
2: In other bad news, we had the uh, – Bombing of the World Trade Center in 1993 with the uh, truck bombs in the parking yeah. garage, and that was terrifying. Monica Sellis.
1: Oh, get stabbed. It's knifed in between games, right? Is that, that the U.S. Open where they stabbed her? No, no it, was it was a, a tournament in Germany. Oh, okay.
2: Can you imagine that happening with Twitter now? Like the I number know. of... No, I can't actually. Uh, I, I mean, in between matches man comes out of the audience and stabs her in the shoulder uh ben barton do you remember why he did that no recollection
0: i remember the event really well but i don't I, right. I, I mean assume because he's super crazy but super crazy good uh jeff simons well i assume because he uh was trying to impress a pretty
1: gal that why most of these events take place but not case. that's pretty good jeff
2: simons he was a huge Steffi graf there fan. it is um, but apparently not enough to believe in her, and so he felt he had to take out her number one competition you know what 's
1: amazing too is that would be the horrifying attack and athlete story of the nineties, except that it 's just a warm up oh I know for the delicious feast coming next year. I mean, oh my gosh i 'm sorry, what happens next year all,
0: we 're hearing from our Olympics Bureau. <laughs>
1: right winter olympics time gonna pipe uh uh, uh what's face god that was next year crazy
0: yeah Nancy man, i can't Kerrigan. Wait to talk about that Nancy local girl Kerrigan.
2: local girl for us bostonians oh that, that was so bizarre okay uh moving on we have to get to our number one hit jeff simons we are trying to last week we went an hour and 14 minutes no no we're gonna be under 50 this time let's go It's the number one hit.
0: I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. If
2: I should stay, I would only be in your way.
0: So I'll go.
1: Keep it in under 50 minutes. We're gonna pull it out wow. right there. Although- Was I that the movie that... or that was just regular Whitney Houston? Oh, no, what? from the Bodyguard. That's the Kevin Bodyguard okay, yeah. okay. Okay. Costner once again, riding the zeitgeist. <laughs> Did you on... see
2: that movie, Jeff Simons?
1: Nope. Nope. I, th- I felt like the music video oh, was that. the whole movie. So I didn't watch it. You saw uh, that
0: really? Oh, hells yeah.
1: Really? Was it good? No. This oh, is back really this is when Ben <laughs> would go to the movie movies by himself to a multiplex oh, and totally. go to a one 3.45, 6, and 9.30 show on one ticket. we just come out, reload at the snacks, and just rip. Like, I remember that you you, you did it a couple of times when you were living with me. You're like, I'm going to the movies. I'm like, okay. He's like, I'll see you tomorrow. And he meant it. He was like, gone at 1, back at 11. He'd seen five movies. He'd ate like three buckets of popcorn. It was incredible to watch. So, yeah, yeah, there was I, a
0: run from 1985 to basically 1996. for I, I mean, like, if it, made, if, it, if it came out and it made money, I saw it. You saw the movie somewhere. Yeah, totally. if, if it made money, but not off of you. Yeah, no,
2: right. <laughs> You're not a sucker. Um, which which version is
1: better, Whitney's or Dolly's? Oh, Dolly's by a Mile. Dolly's by a Mile. I always thought the song was kind of a joke. Like, I mean, it's so over the top and ridiculous. I mean, she goes for the big, like, and uh, I mean, they, you know, they cut she, up to the higher She gets teen. it. Well, of course she does. Yes, it's but it's kind of like watching. So I feel like that song's like watching somebody juggle. Like, look at that. That's some pretty good juggling. But it's, I'm not moved by it. Now I will say that we are the 997 millionth people to cue this song up on wow. YouTube. Oh, so yeah. It's gonna have a billion listens by the end of the year. So Can we? I, I should probably not speak further about my. I
2: I song. know we're trying to keep things tight, but. What about juggling chainsaws? Are you in on that? Is that more exciting?
1: I like juggling. I like to watch juggling for about eleven seconds, and then I get everything I need out of juggling. It's one of those amazing skills where I'm like, I wish, I wish it had more function in real life. So I didn't imagine people just practicing, practicing for their eleven second the chainsaw yeah. moment. You know, but I mean, what the hell? Like, yeah, it's cool. But I'm also like, you know, I'm like, I watch it. I'm like, and that's juggling. You know, it could be chainsaws, cats. It's all the same, like, look at all that stuff in the air. How about that? As I
2: recall, you feel the same way about the harmonica. You're not, the harmonica, you're done with in about five seconds.
1: We'll get there. If we ever get to the year Blues Traveler has a big hit, we'll talk about the harmonica.
2: I will bring that home. Uh, All All right, let's move on. We've got an invitation to cynicism competition, not an invitation to cynicism question. This is the year that Jurassic Park dominates the box office. And no one is more cynical than Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park. So I would like to have a Jeff Goldblum impersonation competition. (laughs) Who would like to go first? I'm going to seed
0: the ground
1: to Jeff. (laughs) Do it. Well, which which moment do you want? You pick the Jurassic Park moment and I'll do
0: it. Nature finds a way.
1: Well, yeah, that whole speech where it's like, yeah. uh, your uh, scientists, um, they uh, spend so much time asking whether they could, they didn't ask themselves whether they should. And, uh, <laughs> you've put it in a box and you're, you're selling it, you're selling it, you're selling it. Well, uh, you uh, call progress. I um, call rigging the natural world. <laughs> All right, nice job. I would have also gone with must go faster, which is actually still my favorite line in that movie. With uh, the dinosaur's like object and mirror, I like that. I still like that. It's... I just watched that movie last year with Will, and it was great. Oh that's yeah, a, that movie's good. That's yeah. a good movie.
2: Solid, solid work. Better than the second one. Oh, with, and then you the and daughter. I saw the
1: third one in Middlebury with that uh, kid in front of us who kept screaming dinosaurs at the <laughs> screen. Was, that was like a creepy night. It was like going to the movies with like the children of the corn. <laughs> that was so rough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you are just go. killing him. Tim. You're killing <laughs> him. because he he hasn't thought about that moment until right now in 20 years, and it was oh my so, God, he's
0: wiping the tears away.
1: It was so uncomfortable. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <All right. laughs> oh, we're cutting that. But you're right. I have not thought of that in 20 years. <laughs> oh, so scary. All right. <laughs> Uh, The impossible question, gentlemen. Hold on, I'm still still crying. (laughs) I don't know if you know this, but I went through all of uh, 1993's uh, top albums on Rolling Stone. They have like 137. They've ranked them. Wow. Sadly, my pick did not make the ranking, which I'm still upset about. Here's who did. Vince Neil's solo album, Exposed. Did any of you partake in the Rolling
1: in that. Stone Best of the '93 list? I mean,
2: it came in like 137th. But
1: that record sucks a hundred percent. I can't that's even ridiculous. name a song on that record. No. Did you actually listen
2: to it, Jeff? Or are you just assuming?
1: Oh, I'm sure I heard like 45 seconds of a single and was like, "Yep, that's what Motley Crue would sound like with the worst parts kept and the best parts left out." So,
2: well, it, it made me think, though, out of all those hair bands whose time is now up here in 1993, which lead singer had the biggest solo career and which lead singer do you think should have had the biggest solo career?
0: Depends. How, oh. you Do you count David Lee Roth? He's not a I, hair. Yeah. I was going to say, so funny. I don't, I don't count Van Halen. Right, And you can't count Axl Rose either. So, I mean, but right, I, those, yep. those are not, those don't count as hair metal bands.
2: It's so funny. I think of David Lee Roth as one of them, but not Van Halen itself. But, but let's, let's toss him aside. Axl Rose doesn't do anything solo anyways.
0: (laughs) Chinese democracy.
1: Come on now. (laughs) I mean, I, I don't like, uh, I mean,
0: yeah. The short answer is that not like the, it ends for all of those guys. That, that entire just ends. It just totally ends. Yeah.
1: None the of the from, bands,
0: none of the bands put out good records. But yeah. Solo records. They're just, it just completely goes over the side of the cliff. So Brett the guy Michaels. From Rat had
1: a nice voice.
2: The <laughs> guy from Rat. Brett Michaels from Poison had uh, kind of a second life as one of those celebrity big brother type dudes.
0: Oh, a reality. And Vince Neil does too. I mean, yeah. a lot of these does guys really? get recycled that way. Yeah, totally.
1: Oh, wow. They all um, have, um, they all have porn tapes too, right? Both those oh, you know say who more, had the honest. best.
0: You know who had the best solo act is uh, the drummer in in Motley Crue, Tommy Lee. Yeah, he yeah. put out several records and sure married Pamela did. Anderson.
2: And meanwhile, the uh, guy from Skid
1: Row ended up on Gilmore Girls. Is that that true? guy can
0: sing too. Yeah. Sebastian
1: Bach is a pretty smart guy too. Every time I see him interviewed, he's he's pretty witty and funny. And and I didn't like Skid Row at all, but I like that guy. Yeah. Uh, and his post Skid Row just man about town. He's a raconteur, on tour, that guy.
2: All right. Our three songs.
0: Okay. Um, I think I don't know, Tim and I agree. This was a hard year to choose. I had three selections, each one I just love. Do and- you want Jeff
2: to give you a signal?
0: I'll just go through real briskly. Okay. Um, The one that my daughters want, and actually is probably currently my favorite song from this year, is Mary Jane's Last Dance, Tom Petty. Um, The 16-year-old Ben Barton and 23-year-old Ben Barton felt very strongly that I should choose a song from Versus by Pearl Jam. Um, And I have a later Pearl Jam one coming up, and I'll explain why that one's later then. But here's what I'll say about that. The song that I choose is a song about finding happiness and peace amongst chaos. And that's where I'm at now. I am not an angry (laughs) person that loved Pearl Jam so much. So anybody who knew me in 1993, I wore this waffle Pearl Jam long sleeve shirt with a little bomb on it that said Pearl Jam on it, like almost every day. I started law school and I was just like Pearl Jam, Pearl Jam, Pearl Jam all the time. Anyone who stood still in front of me heard about it. (laughs) Um, And so I'm sad not to choose that, but um, later, this is a song that's come to mean a lot to me. I've listened to it many times in times of need. When I worked at a law firm after law school, it was a tough couple of years. I didn't really care for that work. Um, My screensaver were the first four lines to this song just on loop? So, like, I would get up to go to the bathroom and come back, and there it was waiting for me. When I came in in the morning, it was waiting for me. Um, Jeff, if you will hit us with A Cuff Rose by Uncle Tupelo. Oh, yes, that is such a great pick. A Cuff Rose by Uncle Tupelo.
1: Uh, Pete Townsend uh, triplet rhythm oh. part in there
0: so, so I'll great. talk about Uncle Tupelo and what they mean in a second but that song in particular two minutes 36 seconds verse chorus verse chorus three chords in the entire song hmm. open tune the guitar to G and um, I think Jeff will definitely agree with this if you love this kind of music you're aware of how hard it is to write a good version of this song. Mm. It seems easy because it's so simple, but it's in fact the hardest thing, like like doing a fancy song with a million changes and a bunch of bridges and that stuff is actually a lot easier to do than to write a spectacular, unbelievable, two-minute folk song that right. just grabs you by the heart and just pulls you in. Um, and that's why I love this one so much. The first verses, and then the chorus, Everything Cuts Against the Tide, When You're By My Side. So the first one is like a love relationship one. The second one is Acuff Rose, and that's the old country music publishing thing. Right. And instead of Everything Cuts Against the Tide, When You're By My Side, it's when I hear that side. So the second verse and chorus are about music. And yeah. those two things in my life have always been what has saved me. That's like where I find my peace is with the, the right people, the right relationships and with the right music. And so this song just speaks to me to no end. Um, and it's song of the year wise, dudes, these guys create all country. <laughs> yep. Like they, right. this, they found this, um, this is their fourth record. It's their first major label record. So first record's No Depression. And basically, there's two really, really famous guys in the band. There's Jay Farrar and Jeff Tweedy. And these are the guys who go on to find, found Sunvolt and Wilco um, and basically found alt country. So the first record is No Depression, and it's a bizarre mix of stuff. It's got a Lead Belly cover, it's got a Carter Family cover, and it's got a bunch of like weird punk songs on it. They called it Minutemen or Husker Du meet Woody Guthrie, and that's actually a really good description of it. It really is. Then the second record, Still Feel Gone, they lean into the rock. And actually, that's actually my favorite Uncle Tupelo record. Like, it just shreds. Um, don't they, and oh, by the way, they're, at this point, they're doing the college radio thing. They're signed to Rockville Records. Jeff, how much did they get paid by Rockville Records for not one, not two, but three different records that they made for them?
1: Uh, geez, I would guess less than five grand.
0: Oh, dude, they got nothing. Wow, N- nothing. Rockville Records gave them twelve grand for each one of these stupid records. That's what they paid for the studio, and then uh-huh. they never paid them any royalties. As far as I can tell, they put out like four other records, dude. I mean, like uh, these records wow. sold. These were uh, like for, on the college radio type stuff. Right? They were really. Oh, <laughs> uh, they definitely sold fifty thousand copies oh, at least. No doubt. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, well, Anodyne's Sire, though, oh, okay. it's the March but still 16th. Still feel to...
1: gone, sold a lot. Oh, I mean, totally, and due to the, the
0: next one, March 16th to, and 20th, 1992, is a, a meet like for this type of record, yeah, it's a medium hit, too. Hit. You're right, yeah. yeah. So, they 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 are from uh down south Illinois and they're basically playing the club scene in St. Louis and Belleville, Illinois, and they're going back and forth and just trying to make it, trying to make it. They cut still feel gone, it's not a hit, they're not getting paid. They go back to the record company. They're like, where's the money? And the record company's like, cut another record. So they take the money and they do this record called March 16th to 20th, 1992. Peter Buck, the guitarist of R.E.M., is the producer on it. They oh, live at Peter Buck's house in Athens, Georgia, and they cut just a straight up old fashioned Bob Dylan's first record, um, Woody Guthrie type record. That's only country. And it's, a, like, it's actually a borderline hard listen, Jeff, would you agree? Yeah, totally, so like, totally
1: agree.
0: Not, the, the, not... Earlier, the earlier ones are a mix, but this one is just like a really up in your grill. And just to explain what kind of guys these guys were. So this is 1992. They've been told that they need to follow up on Still Gone. Grunge is where they're going. Still Gone is a terrific grunge record. Uh And um, And they declined. declined. They're like, oh, no, no. We're going to put out just a 1937 country record. Put that in your pipe. So they do that. They get signed. Because if you can sell 50,000 copies of a 1932 country record, you've got something going on. And they put out Anodyne. And this is their breakup record. And so... By this time, they hate each other, and in particular, Jay Farrar can't
1: stand Tweedy. It's actually more complicated than that, but keep going. I mean, so it's they, actually they, heartbreaking what happened. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. good.
0: You could, like, I, I'd be curious to hear your version of the story. So they they're basically a trio throughout this period. They bring another guy, multi instrumentalist. They have other people to play with them, but it's. Tweedy on bass, Farrar on guitar, and they're trading off songs. And it's a little bit like the Beatles, where the guy who sings this is the guy who wrote it, like you can just right. tell immediately who wrote it. And so they're split, they're divvying it up all the way through. By the time they get to Anodyne, Tweedy's really kind of coming into his own. They get the bassist, who eventually becomes the bassist in Wilco, and is now still playing with Tweedy. He yeah, was the guitar Sturrock. tech. Yeah, yeah, totally. And they get him on bass. Tweedy picks up the guitar, and they've got this like spectacular two guitar attack. The record is really, really, really strong, um, and the rock numbers are great on it. Yeah, they break up, and it's a really ugly, hideous breakup. They get their big break. They get they play on Conan O'Brien, and the and the record company Sire says they want to, them to play the long cut, which is a Tweedy song. If you watch the video of Farrar, you can't see his face literally for four and a half minutes. He's just got the hair combed over his face. And he's like, just get me out of this place. Uh, First record, Wilco's first record is AM. And um, Trace is the first record by Sunvolt. And it's, in my opinion, just a route for Sunvolt. I mean, that Sunvolt record is terrific. And AM is okay. Um, AM is all of the guys from Uncle Tupelo, except for Farrar. Farrar goes off, he gets the old drummer from Uncle Tupelo and, and does the Sunvolt thing. And then the roles just flip. Like every Wilco record after that is better than every um, Sunvolt record after that. And then Wilco just goes on to be, you know, sort of legendary.
2: Good stuff. Jeff, what's your version of the uh, relationship?
1: Well, Tweety just assumes that he and Jay have worked everything out. Like, okay, he's going to sing his songs and I'll sing my songs. But And this is what being at a band is like. You compromise and you find the middle ground and you you don't love everything the other guy does, but I mean, he's a punk rocker, right? Like Tweedy's, like, like D Boone and Mike Watt were the polar sides of the Minutemen, and they were best friends, but they also fought all the time and they right. sounded different. And they, and so when Farrar just turned to him, he's like, I've hated your guts for three years and I never want to see you again. Right. Tweedy did not feel that way. And he was like, wait, what? You hate my, You're like, this isn't you, just you like hate me? differences in an in aesthetic, like, and, uh, and Farrar just walked away and, and never really spoke to him again. And, uh, I think it was for Tweedy like just a an earth-shattering like Tweedy is a guy, is a glue guy like look at his band he's kept this six-piece band together in its current incantation for 17 years without a personnel change he built a loft in Chicago for them all to hang out in he produces anybody who wants anything to do with him? Like, if you're a guy and he thinks you're even remotely good, he's like, "Yeah, come to the loft. I'll make your record." Like, the space is open for rent. Like, you, the three of us could go make a record at the loft if we had the money and the inclination. Like, let's he record is a, a
2: podcast there.
1: He is a like, let's have a party. I'll bring the beer, kind of guy. And he was he found himself in a band with a painfully introverted, tortured soul. And rock and roll, like, rock and roll is a communal event and Wilco is a rock band and, and Farrar just didn't have it in him he just didn't want to be in that kind of a artistic scenario you know, I've, I like Trace um, I don't think it's as much of a route as everybody does it felt like it in the moment because Trace felt like an artistic attempt and AM felt like guys who felt like they needed to make a record but, um, but being there routes straightaways and from then on in Sunvolt sounds like a band trying to sound like Sunvolt and it it's heartbreaking. Like they don't make good records, and I've seen Sunbolt live three times, and it's a it's a sad, joyless affair. Like I can no, agree with
0: that. I can attest that that's sad. I mean, it, it, it's a bummer. And oh.
1: I just so like watching those two guys. Like watching Jay Farrar, like just go into the underbrush and Tweety, like look up and look around and say, "Hey, I think I could make a community," and he has done so. Like what 50-year-old rock and roll fan doesn't hold a candle for Wilco? Like, right. they are the band that could be our lives. Like, I mean, they've been making music our entire adult lives and trying really hard to make it consistently relevant. So, but, I yeah, love it's this. It's really funny. Like the, I the, love this choice. I love <clears throat> this record and this band. And uh, absolutely. Tweedy's growth ahead, ben, over
0: the course of Uncle Tupelo and then over Wilco, too, is really breathtaking. Amazing. Like, right. for our... Th- I mean, on the first record, all the best songs are the Farrar songs. I mean, yep. And uh, and Tweedy just keeps working at it, keeps working at it, keeps working at it. And by the time you get to Anodyne, and it's super cold for Farrar, but the, like, the, the long cut, the, the record company's not wrong. That's, nope. You're going to play on um, Conan O'Brien. That's the one to play for sure.
1: All the best songs are his on that record. We've been had um, 15 Keys, not 15 Keys. What's the um, What's the other sing-along song? Whatever. They're all great. But the other thing that's amazing about Anodyne is it was tracked 100% live, no overdubs. Oh yeah, that's, dude, I forgot to say that? That's what? how they do their major no. label debut. Dude. No, no second takes, no overdubs, no, no, no cheating. There's a moment in "Give Back the Key to My Heart" when Ken Coomer makes such an unbelievable drum mistake, like. It's like the kind of drum mistakes they left on songs in the 50s because they didn't have enough tape to do it again. Every time I listen to that record and hear that mistake, I imagine Ken Coomer somewhere like, you couldn't have given me another pass at that, man. <laughs> I have to live with that mistake the rest of my life. You know?
0: Yeah, but no, I mean, and you can hear it in Acuff Rose, like yep. the like the filigree, like how detailed the violin part is and then the mandolin part is, and then the harmonies. One take, one take, like freaking amazing. Yeah.
2: It's unbelievable you picked this song because I just played it for my D period American studies class yesterday. I've got a, a fiddler in my class. And so she's, she's got no free periods because one of her free periods is taken up by just playing the fiddle. I'm like, Oh, you know, uncle Tupelo. She's like, no, I'm like, Oh, let's play a song for you. And, and that was so the song I chose. Um, and the if other you get thing it, I lo- Yeah.
1: I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, if you get you a know. chance,
2: read uh Tweety's book, let's, let's, what is it? Let's get there so we can get back or something like that. Let's go there so we can get back. And his description of Jay Farrar's breakup with him is just brutal. Like they're in that shitty apartment uh, where it's just filled with beer bottles and Tweety's just kind of taking it and just – he doesn't know what to say. He had no idea that Jay Farrar was that unhappy just being around him. And yeah. for someone who's got uh, anxieties already, it wasn't really – a healthy moment for, for Tweety to take. I will say,
0: I mean, in, in defense of Farrar, we, the, the story's been told by Tweety. That, yeah. we, we get the yeah, Tweety yeah. version of the That's story. True. And I can tell, I mean, I'm sure it's not easy. Everyone knows like the little brother, big brother relationship yeah. isn't easy when the little brother becomes taller than the big brother. Like right. by the time the the last record comes out, it must've been really, really hard on Farrar. And there's but like, also so, like
1: Tweety's like a big- loud personality. It'd be like if a golden retriever never shut down. Like, I mean, Farrar was a quiet, <laughs> introspective guy, and Tweety was, like, shaking everybody's hands and hugging. I mean, like, the thing that really ju- the thing that really hits, like, I definitely – there are people in my life who are annoyed by me just by my general extroversion who I would prefer to be liked by. And, like, huh. the fact that I know there are people I like who don't like me because my personality annoys them is a very difficult thing to learn that you have to live with. And I feel like that plays out on this record. And so that record hits home particularly for me because I know there are Jay Ferrars in my little music circle who can't stand my Jeff Tweedy. And there's nothing I could do about it because I am Jeff Tweedy. I am the guy who's like, hey, what's your name? Let me ask you 700 questions about you. And that's just, what are you going to do? Not everybody everybody clicks.
0: There's song pairs. Like like the long cut is about a relationship where you have to take your time and work it out. And In my opinion, that's definitely a song about this relationship. Mm, yeah. And the Farrar song is Chickamauga where he compares oh, this relationship God. to the bloodiest battle of the Civil War. And you're like, oh, that's how you feel about it, huh? Yeah, that's so rough. So great choice. Right, Jeff,
1: hit us. So, Good okay, stuff. so Mary Jane's Last Dance was in my top five. And Aka Rose is in my top five. All right. And, uh, so we were all we were we we're all on the same uh, uh, wavelength. But I am going to go with Pearl Jam because Woo! that is that. Excellent. This is the year. Like I, you know, it's like you love a few bands more than you love everybody else. Like I'm a Who fan, like all the way to the bone. Nothing I can do about it. I am a Clash fan all the way to the bone. There's nothing I can do about it. I fell for the replacements and the Huskers in the 80s like that. But I, the last band that I loved with just white hot fire intensity was Pearl Jam. And it was like Pearl Jam, 1993 to 99, 2000. Like that band, that, that was my band. Like I was fascinated by everything they did. And it wasn't 10 that did it. Like I liked 10 when it came out. I thought all those songs were great. I thought Jeremy was especially terrific from that record, but I wasn't all the way into to freakdom, um, but I bought verses on vinyl the day it came out when you could still do that, um, and it was like a last-minute version it didn't even have verses on the cover. It was the one with just the sheep and it just said "Pro.": Oh 10. yeah,
0: that's the one I had too.
1: took it home, put it on, and it was my favorite record after about 25 seconds. Like that record starts with all the like warming up sound and the big change, the, the two crucial things happen. One, they get rid of the Led Zeppelin pandering. Like 10 has guitar tones that are stolen right off of houses of the Holy to the point where they're distracting. And second, the drummer, <laughs> the drummer on the 10 record is very good, but he's not anything particularly special and they switch drummers and this guy, Dave, Dave Abrazis takes in, comes and he behind the kit on verses is explosive he's spectacular he takes everything to a new level and um and this record was recorded right down the street from where i was living and i saw them live on halloween october 1993 like and on the second night of the versus tour they started in the bay area and they played a show and a warm-up show in santa cruz and they played the greek theater and i had i was right in the front and um It's one of the absolute greatest shows I've ever seen. They were just magnificent. And I went and I just fell for these guys like a ton of bricks. And the best song on the record and my all-time favorite Pearl Jam song. And it's a song I would rank, I mean, in my all-time top twenty. This song's in the in the conversation on certain oh, days. Like top I just 20's
2: not that big a deal. Come on, top five. Okay, top five. Now are talking. You're Let's talking
1: go. to a guy that is, has thirty two thousand songs in his computer, Tim. <laughs> top five is rarefied air. Um, it's the song Rearview Mirror, and Rearview Mirror is everything I love about rock music. It starts quietly, it builds to an absolute jet engine. It's a band performance. It's got an unbelievable guitar riff. And the vocal is absolutely spectacular. It's just controlled rage until it completely blows apart at the end. And it's a song, of, it's, it's a song that hits all the things that matter to me, like long drives with nothing but your own thoughts, uh, family history that demands reconciliation and, uh, and reinvention. Um, I just love this song. I love this record. And if there's if there's a single song from the nineties, at least the first half of the nineties to put in a time capsule, I think it's this one. So this is great. Joe Joe was gonna be very excited with you. Joe is? Yeah. Well then I've done my job. Yep. Rearview mirror by Pearl Jam. <laughs> And it's like loose, but tight and messy, but focused. And
2: the drums, and get, man, the drums. The drums. Frush.
1: Although it, the vocals really, I mean, like Ed Ed here is like at the absolute top. We can't play it, but when he goes to that high review mirror and then they loop oh, it yeah. back in over the ending, it's so powerful. And like when you see them live, this this they stretch out that middle part. And oh yeah, I can't
0: believe you didn't choose breathe. the library.
1: Oh, it's so great. And we Ben and I have seen Pearl Jam together so many times and like, in that 93 to 98 moment, when they get to Rearview Mirror, like it would last somewhere between six and 10 minutes, depending on how on fire they were that night. And that like, uh-huh. floaty middle before it kicks back in is, it's it's really genuinely transcendent. Just great song, great band, great. Still love awesome. it. I'm not as angry, but um, <laughs> I'm angry again every time I hear it. Like it really
0: does transport <laughs> It brings me. you back. So, yeah. Yeah. So I saw them at, at uh, Chrysler Arena, the basketball arena at uh, Michigan on that tour. And they, they were just absolutely ripshit. You couldn't believe how good they were. I'm completely with Jeff. Here's, here's one thing that I, I think, and I'll be curious if Jeff agrees. I, I've had previous bands that I really loved. Um, I really, really, really loved the Rolling Stones in high school. That was my band. Um, and then I really, really, really loved Led Zeppelin. Um, And then I love the punk acts, I love the Clash. They were not my age, they weren't my band. Pearl Jam just came right in that sweet spot. Like they, these guys spoke to me, their experience spoke to me, like the anger, the, the entire vibe. Like I remember really vividly trying to get into the smithereens. (laughs) <laughs> because that the rock radio in New York was like here like it's it's today's generation this is the band Smith- and I was like yeah. well I'll, I'll go buy this record and I was like the Smithereens the Smithereens and I was like ah, it's really not very good actually <laughs> and so I was hungry for that I wanted that and this was it this was totally it and and dude like even more like even more than the recorded stuff seeing them live you just couldn't believe how good they were! If Couldn't I had chosen it. it, I would have chosen the go animal combo. That's my personal favorite from right. this record. Yeah, uh, but you can't go wrong. I mean, um, it's a spectacular, beautiful, amazing artistic statement. So good.
1: I agree with that idea that they were they were our age, our sensibility. Like they 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 were they weren't like you two. Like they, you know, beamed like, in from right, Dublin right. and like were otherworldly and playing in stadiums like. Pro Jam was like, remember they had the fight with Ticketmaster? Like, you'd see them in totally bizarre places. Oh, yeah, like, we'll get there when uh-huh. I do my year.
0: But also, the yeah. <laughs> first band name was Mookie Blaylock. I was just I mean, going to yeah. say. It how made can made me not so love... happy. I was like a huge NBA fan. Yeah. It's not just like all of the guys I got. You sort of, we sort of got to know, but oh, Ahmet, the bassist, was just like yeah. such a hilarious character, super likable. He and Eddie were really into basketball and the Sonics yep. and everything else. It was just great.
1: Yeah, my friend, Will, who lives in Montana, um, rode, like, met Amen on a plane home to Montana, where Amen is from. And he's like, you know, they're chatting, and they chat for, like, two hours before they get to, like, what do you do? And Jeff's like, oh, I'm a musician. And Will's like, oh, you know, you... How you like professionally full time? He's like, yeah, yeah, full time. This is nineteen ninety five, right? And the bassist from Pearl Jam is like, yeah, yeah, full time. Pretty much, I you know, it's all I do. He's like, wow, that congratulations. You know, my brother's a musician. It's really hard to make a living. He's like, yeah, yeah, been doing pretty well. Never, like, just introduced him as Jeff. He had the furry uh, hat on and everything. And, like, he told us a story later. And we're like, I'm pretty sure I know who that was.
2: You know? <laughs> That's amazing. That is great. Well, you guys did well. And we are on brand tonight. We are 50 years of music with 50-year-old white guys. And we are we're in our groove right now in 1993. I am picking a band. Kevin Brown's going to be uh, not surprised. I am picking a Boston band uh a boston band who, who i think at fenway park just played with pearl jam or the lead singer bill janovich got up there and played a little pearl jam and he he was up there saying can you believe this a boston kid playing fenway park uh never thought you'd see that but when you're when you're with pearl jam you can do things like that so jeff simons i've got an incredible story to close out our night But before we get there, could you play Buffalo Tom late at night?
0: Late at night by Buffalo Tom.
1: Either of you guys like Buffalo Tom? I do, but I actually this is the record that pushed that took me off the track. I uh-huh. loved Birdbrain. I bugged Ben to death with that Birdbrain record in college, <laughs> and then I really liked Let Me Come Over. That's the one with Tail Lights Fade, yeah, right, and Velvet Roof. And then I bought this record the day it came out, and was so disappointed at how mid tempo it was. Oh, you don't like Soda I went, Jerk? I it was okay. I, I'm uh-huh. looking. I kept Soda Jerk and Treehouse. The, you got rid my, of this one though, didn't you? That I took did. you a long time to like, find that puppy. <laughs> it did. I was, I, and I, it's because, like, I felt like they lost—they lost the kind of slightly out of control vibe that I liked so much about Uncle mm. Tupelo that they were they were experimenting with. But I got nothing against Bill Janovitz. He wrote a great book, Ben, about Exile on Main Street. He's a Rolling oh, Stones nice. uh, fanatic and a really good writer. But yeah, this record was my. This was the goodbye Buffalo Time record
0: for me.
2: Uh, cause there, there's more after this too, but yeah. you're right. It's, this is, um, so 99. I saw
0: them this year. I saw them with the blind pig in Ann Arbor. Oh, look they, at that. I mean, must've been on this tour. Wait, this year.
2: Oh, 93. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, they were, they were probably great in 93. They were good. Yeah. I saw them a bunch in 93. I was the style section editor of the Northeastern news. I was going to concerts all the time. My buddy Danny was bartending at the Linwood grill So he and I would listen to this, uh, this album over and over again. This is the funny part of the story after this album, it kind of falls apart for them and they go on a a big old artistic hiatus. I think they're dropped by their label and it's all the way in 97 where I'm teaching in Las Vegas. And my little sister calls me and she's like, Oh, guess who I saw last night? I'm like, who she's like, we went and saw Buffalo Tom. I was like, Oh, great. She's going to Providence College. They went to Lupo's and they saw Buffalo Tom. She's like, you're never going to believe it. I'm like, what? Well, he, he pulled me up on stage. I'm like, wait, Buffalo Tom, you, you went to see my band in, in Providence and you got to go on stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We danced together and stuff like that. It was really great. I'm like, oh. She's like, and then like, you know, there was this time where he, he put the guitar around like, like he undid his guitar and then he put it around me and then he was playing his guitar. And I was, I was like, excuse me, what is happening right now? And so my little sister's telling me this and I realized my little sister clearly has grown up if she's going to Buffalo Tom concert. Two years later, I'm living in Hartford Connecticut and Mike Devlin calls and he says, Hey, guess who's playing at the toad down in new Haven. I'm like who? Oh, it's like Buffalo Tom comeback tour. I'm like, I'm oh, in, we're going to Buffalo Tom guys it was the saddest like they didn't sell out the toad in new haven they it's a sparse crowd it's guys our age that's it but not a lot of us and at one point they come out for their uh their one uh song or their one ovation song and they look at each other like and the lead singer bill janovich looks at his his bassist he's like should we do one more and the bass is like no. No. <laughs> yeah, it was so sad. and It's oh, like, he's like oh, okay. And the, it was like you realize the comeback ain't happening. And at the Toad, the backstage is a stairwell down to the basement. And so they, you kind of descend sure off is. the stage underneath. And meanwhile, Deb and I are about to leave. I was like, let's go to the bathroom. I go downstairs to the bathroom. And I realize like, oh, I'm parallel with backstage. I'm like, Mike, come with me. And we just walk in and it's the three of them and their manager sitting there having a beer. I'm like, Hey guys, you got a second? I'm like, yeah, what's up? I'm like, well, a couple of years ago, my sister called me. So <laughs> I recount the story of, of Bill Janovich undoing his guitar and putting it around my sister, and the bassist is terrified. Like he's like, "Oh God, this is going to yeah." Be he like, thinks yes, he thinks this is so go bad.
1: Not only did the shitty gig, but this
2: lunatic's gonna kick oh, Bill's yeah. ass. No, for sure. So, so I was like, I was like, "Did you do that?" And Bill Janovich's like, "Yeah, rock and roll.
1: You know, you want a beer?"
2: <laughs> and that's how we. Uh, that's how I buried the hatchet with Buffalo Tom. That's a great story.
1: I have a good Toads Play story too. I played it with Rich Price, and I oh, did uh, okay. Open for Ziggy Marley, and uh, oh, wow. Ziggy Marley's enormous bodyguard came up to to Rich. They do only three rules tonight, and then you'll have a great set. Rule number one: Don't talk to Ziggy. Rule number two: Don't talk to Ziggy. Can you guess rule number three? Rich is like, I got it. So it a real wow. friendly vibe. We had a good old. We had a good old time.
2: <laughs> uh, gentlemen, good stuff tonight. I will see you all next week. Timmy, yeah. well done, man. Uh, thanks thanks hang in there.
1: Bye bye. Bye bye.
2: As much fun as we are, leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a rating on Spotify, iHeartRadio. Wherever you listen to podcasts, give us a shout. And then check us out on Twitter or at our Facebook page, 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys
0: Electrocast, transform your influence. Electrocast. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives' activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electric Cast production. Electric. House.